today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We're going to start off, obviously, with the U.S. election. This is the voting day, although it's a bit of a misnomer because they started voting a long, long time ago there with advanced polling, and over 100 million people, I guess, have already done that. Uh, but this is the day that uh, the polls close, and uh, it's, uh, well, been a tumultuous election, to say the least, between uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And uh, both of them finished off their campaigns yesterday. Uh, Joe Biden telling supporters that Donald Trump cannot help the working class because he doesn't identify with them. I've never forgotten growing up in a hardworking family in Scranton. I never, the lesson that Donald Trump has never learned because he can only see the world from Park Avenue. He can't see what family like yours and mine have gone through. Donald Trump uh, also wrapped up his campaign yesterday uh, with this plea to his voters. Hello, Scranton. Hello, Pennsylvania. Thank you very much. Tomorrow we are going to win the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and we are going to win four more years in the White House. Well, uh, not coincidence that the two of them wrapped up in Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about that in just a couple of seconds. Uh, this is uh, what many people consider to be the most important election in the history of the United States. I don't know if they're overstating that. Uh, it certainly has a great deal of importance, not just for what's happening currently with the pandemic, but uh, the future of the Republican Party and so much more at stake here as well. Joining us to talk about this is Mike Armstrong, a global correspondent who is actually in uh, Pennsylvania right now. Uh, and Mike, first of all, thanks so much on a busy day. Glad you could join us for a few minutes today. Oh, a pleasure. The old uh, adage, uh, you remember the late, great Tim Russert on NBC always saying during elections, it's all about Florida, Florida, Florida. Uh, and at that time, I get that that was bang on, but it's, it's all about Pennsylvania this time around, isn't it, Mike? That's what it feels like. Yeah, everyone's sort of calling this the tipping state. Uh, and it, it's a big state, 20 electoral college votes. So that's a 40-vote swing, depending on who gets to put it in their column. Uh, the polls are fairly close here, 51 to 46 for Biden. Uh, so it does look like it's in play, and especially if you go by, as you were just pointing out, the fact that the candidates and their surrogates have just been all over the place. I literally lost count of how many times they've been uh, here in Pennsylvania over the last three days. Uh, but the, the Trump campaign sort of appears to be focusing uh, more here because they've fallen behind uh, too far in some of the other states they hope to win up in the north. Sort of uh, Wisconsin, they're back uh, behind by 11 points. Michigan, they're back uh seven points behind so it, it's they're more competitive here so they're focusing here for the biden campaign it's hard not to look at pennsylvania and see a state that just made it into the uh, trump column in 2016 uh, he won by 44,000 votes literally less than one percent so if anywhere is, is flippable uh this might be it plus the fact that uh, joe biden does have uh well 10 years of roots here he grew up in uh, pennsylvania right in scranton yeah, exactly. I guess one of the other subtexts of this whole thing is, as we go through the entrails of this election in the weeks ahead, Mike, is uh, the number of states that are in play right now. I mean, in, in past elections, uh, you could count on the fact that, okay, uh, you know, the southern states, especially places like Texas, Georgia, uh, the Carolinas, uh, hardcore Republican, forget about it, Democrats, don't even try. That's not the case this time around. No, I mean, uh, when you see <laughs> it, it's kind of weird to see all the speculation that Texas could flip. I mean, that, that's a place that hasn't uh, uh, gone for a Democratic uh, candidate since 1976, I believe, which would be uh, Jimmy Carter. So, yeah, there are places that seemed unflippable that people are saying are in play. And with that in mind, as we do that analysis, where are those Democratic votes coming from? Is, is there a changing demographic in those states? 
there's a changing demographic in this whole country. Yeah, it, it is quite interesting. Um, the population shifts. For example, actually, Pennsylvania's got, we were just talking about 20 electoral college votes. At one point, it had 45. Its population's decreased so much, it's down to 20. And actually, it's probably going to lose a vote uh, the next time around when uh, Americans vote in 2024. Uh, so a lot of changes. But then um, the way, uh, the representation of different groups in the po- in that population, it's quite interesting as well. Um, it's funny because the base of the Trump campaign has been sort of white, uneducated uh, men in particular. Um, those people, it does feel like, it does appear, are going to come out. You know, he's held on to his base. The difference here may be the fact that a lot of people who set, sat out the last election are voting. And we're seeing, I mean, I believe they made it, yeah, 100, excuse me, 100 million people uh, voted early. Uh, in this election, that is much more than the last time around. Um, you know, if there was ever an excuse for people to stay at home and not vote, it's a pandemic, and that's not happening. People very much want it, want their voices heard. That's quite obvious. Um, so that's going to make a big difference in this election. One of the other groups uh, that has been referenced a number of times, Mike, of course, are those suburban housewives, quote-unquote. I think the two candidates, Biden and Trump, have a very different opinion as to what those suburban housewives look like and who they are. Uh, what what kind of a factor are they going to play in this? That's certainly something everybody's watching. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting the way that, for example, if you look at Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, it's been referred to, I think it was James Carville used to call it, uh, say it was... Um, uh, how did he put it? Um, it was, oh, shoot, Pits- Pittsburgh at one end, Philadelphia at the other end, and Alabama in the middle. So there's this <laughs> rural area in the middle, that, uh, and that's where, that, that's the group that Trump elected. And then when you go to the sort of metropolitan uh, corners, that's the, that's the areas, those are the areas that voted for Hillary Clinton. So they've sort of been, it's interesting to see uh, for example, Donald Trump going from small town to small town to small town and then popping in once in a while into Pittsburgh or something like that. Um, but it's sort of the opposite. You don't see that as much in Canada. You tend to sort of concentrate on the areas where there are the bigger, bigger populations. And this is completely different. And we've seen that happen with the Midwest, too, which have been solidly Republican for years. But uh, even some of those are starting to come back down. What about the, the other areas that, that I found surprising in places like Arizona, Mike? That uh, uh, And, of course, that's, you know, the, the, the home of uh, John McCain, the late John McCain, the, the senator who passed away a couple of mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, but, again, there seems to be a groundswell of support. Uh, uh, Mark Kelly, who, is, of course, is married to uh, Gabby Griffiths, the uh, young uh, congresswoman who was shot but survived some years ago. And he, of course, has his own claim to fame as an astronaut uh he seems to be uh, not a shoe in necessarily but he has a substantial lead in his senate race doesn't he yeah uh a pretty pretty impressive candidate there um i'm seeing speculation that uh, if the polls hold which is a big f obviously um there could be uh, of the flipping of several uh seats in the senate and it could end up being put potentially about 53 um, Democratic senators, you know, if Lindsey Graham, for example, loses his spot. Um, we're going to see some of the states that put in their early, excuse me, their tabulations earlier tonight. Sort of, I think Arizona is actually one of them. Uh, once you start seeing the numbers there, it'll give us a good idea early uh, how this election's going. If uh, Joe Biden starts flipping those seats that are sort of, uh, excuse me, those states that are sort of on the fence, you'll have a good idea how the rest of the night's going to go. 
I know a lot of people seem to be laser focused on the presidential race, and I guess that's understandable, Mike, obviously, between Biden and Trump. But it's uh, the, the phraseology, of course, the down ticket, including Senate seats, congressional seats, is an interesting story because, as you said, the trending right now uh, is that uh, the Democrats could possibly win the presidency, uh, dominate the Senate, and, of course, maintain their lead uh, in Congress as well, which uh, that's the trifecta for them, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, but don't forget, Donald Trump has spent four years not trying to expand his base just trying to make sure his base comes out for him and supports him. And that's not probably the way uh, to hold on to things, especially when you look at the turnout the last election. It wasn't that good. So his people came out, even if his people come out this time, but more people on the other side come out, he loses this election. And that, that sort of feels like what's happening. Well, it's interesting, you know, when he won four years ago, Mike, you know, we looked at that hardcore support, and it was around 40, 41, 42 percent, something like that. It hasn't really moved off the needle that much, has it? It's one or two points up or down either way, but that's solid support and not a whole lot else. No, and I'll tell you, it's fascinating. I, uh, I've traveled through five or six states over the last few weeks, interviewed and spoken to probably hundreds of people, literally hundreds of people. And I can honestly say I'm not sure I met a person whose vote has changed from the last election. Like, that seems like a strange thing to say. And I, I did meet people who said, oh, I was a Republican, you know, up until three elections ago or something like, and now I, I, vote, Rep- I vote Democrat, whatever. You know, I, that I heard. But I didn't meet a person who said the last time around I voted for uh, Hillary, now I'm voting for Trump. Or, I, or a person who said I voted for Trump, now I'm voting for Biden. I didn't meet that. And I tried. Like, I literally tracked down some of the people who I interviewed four years ago, uh, <laughs> people who had said, you know, one guy, we, we pulled over at his house four years ago, and we're taking pictures of his signs. And he came out and he said, what are you doing? I was well, Canadian journalists. This is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We're Canadian journalists. And he said, oh, so we, we talked to him. He said, look, I've never been inspired in an election before. I've never put up signs. But this, you know, I like Donald Trump. So four years later, I'll be honest, we got lost again, and we were, we, the camera and I work with, we were taking a U-turn in the street, and we looked at the house and went, hey, this is the house we interviewed the guy in four years ago. I guess he's on a, an important street. Anyway, so we went in, I rang the bell, he came down, and we talked to him again, and sure enough, he is, I believe he said, behind Donald Trump with all my heart. And then there was another woman who I met in a little diner the morning after the election four years ago, and she said, she, she voted for Donald Trump, but her real passion was a strong hatred of Hillary Clinton. I'll put it that way. She literally said Hillary Clinton is a thief, a crook, and a murderer. Like, that's how it was crazy, how, how angry she was about Hillary Clinton. So I called her. We actually went and met her in York, Pennsylvania, went to her house, lovely lady, in her, sat in her backyard, and she said, uh, um, nope, she's full, she's, there's never been a better president than Donald Trump. Uh, she's crazy about him, and she doesn't t- trust Joe Biden. So real, I mean, speaking to Americans who have not changed their mind, and it's the other thing I would say is a lot of people in the Trump campaign that I've met seem to believe nothing negative about Donald Trump and everything negative about Joe Biden. It's kind of fascinating. Well, it's, yeah, and I, I know we've used the phrase, you know, they're, they all drink of the Kool-Aid, but I mean, they, you're right, they're, they're just, they have their mind set on this, and they don't want to hear about the, 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 the other stuff. They don't want to hear about the, you know, I, I grab women or all that sort of stuff. That's inconsequential to them, because uh, he's their kind of guy, and, and they see him unwavering in that. But there are, as you guys have been reporting for months now, Mike, 
a, a group of Republicans, of course, the Lincoln Project among them, of, that, that have just made this their life's work in this election to knock Donald Trump out of there. And I guess uh, the, the stated goal, David Frum is one of them as well, of course, the, the Canadian, uh, is to redo the, the Republican Party. They think he's done incredible damage to the party, uh, and, and they're working to get him. Do you get any sense at all that they're having any impact on the voters, though? Geez, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I did a story with uh, Republican voters against Trump. And yeah. um, we interviewed a gentleman who was a Reagan Republican, but changed sides a couple of years ago, a couple of elections ago. And he was uh, super interesting. And, and I also spoke to one of the organizers of that group. And they were saying their goal is to get Trump out of the party, not to destroy the Republican Party, but to rebuild the, the, the Republican mm-hmm. Party. And that they want to make sure that they do that sort of, as they put it, before it's too late, before... Donald Trump really is too entrenched in the party uh, to make that change. They want their Republican Party back, and that's what I heard over and over, over and over uh, speaking to people. Or actually, we met one person uh, directly, um, and and he said uh, that he didn't leave the Republican Party. The Republican Party left him, which was an interesting way to look at it. How much of an impact it's having? It's hard to say. It certainly is with the upper echelons. I mean, they're raising an awful lot of money, and, and uh, some high-profile folks like we just mentioned, uh, you know, David from uh, Steve Schmidt, who, of course, managed uh, John McCain's yeah. presidential campaign a few years ago, uh, high-level personalities like that. But I'm just wondering if, what impact, if any, it's had on the grassroots. And I haven't sensed it. I mean, we may find out after the fact, but there doesn't seem to be that groundswell at the, at the grassroots level. No, but you're right. The, those, it's fascinating how important those people you just mentioned were in past Republican campaigns, and they're not here. They're not there this time. Well, Trump's a one-trick pony, though, isn't it? I mean, you know, we've—that's not lost on us either. Uh, you know, obviously, former President Obama's been stumping for Joe Biden over the last little while. Uh, others have as well, and, and, and depending on which stage is in, governors will show up, Congress folks and senators will show up. Uh, Trump is just Trump. He doesn't want anybody else. So, mind you, I don't know too many people that would want to step on stage with him and say, yeah, I'm his guy. Uh, but it, it's it's been that way all the time. I mean, it was that way in the last campaign. It's certainly been that way this time. He figures he's going to win this or lose this all by himself. Yeah. Other than family members. Yeah. He does use family members as a surrogate to, to the point where the uh, Republican National Convention, I believe, half the speakers had the family name Trump. Yeah, rather strange. Uh, which, by the way, is something that, that's always intrigued me, and I'm wondering if, if we're going to get any reaction from folks after they vote today. Uh, one of the strange things about that Republican convention, such as it was, was there was no platform. They didn't have any policy at all. Uh, the one thing that they said was, well, whatever Donald Trump wants, we're going to support, which which was pretty lame. In other words, there's not a whole lot for Republicans to grasp onto to say, this is why we want to vote for him. It's a personality contest as far as the Republicans are concerned, isn't it? Yeah, that, it, it, that, that was a surreal moment in this campaign to think that, it, that, that one side didn't put out a platform. Uh, and, you know, you look at what has been traditional Republican values for years and years and years. For example, you know, deficit spending. He blew it out of the water in his four years in you know, the four years of the Trump administration. It, it's incredible what happened to the deficit. Um, Republicans never would have accepted that in the past. Never. And somehow Donald Trump was able to convince them to do it. Uh, it's uh, been an incredible campaign, and uh, well, um, with all the stories swirling about possible legal action and Bill Barr, the Attorney General, getting involved in this, we just don't know until they start counting the votes. I, I guess you guys are counting on a long night tonight, are you, Mike? <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, there's been, it's, it's interesting because 
the president keeps pointing at Philadelphia, and that's why we chose to be here, saying that there's going to be shenanigans, uh, electoral fraud going on. He's actually suggested people go to the polls to monitor for electoral fraud. So there's been a lot of pushback from authorities here in Pennsylvania and in Philadelphia. Uh, actually, interesting, the, the DA war- had a warning on the weekend, and he um, reiterated it, said it again yesterday, that if people are planning to come to Philadelphia basically to intimidate voters, quote, I have something for you, a jail cell. So uh, a lot of people angry with uh, some of the finger-pointing the president's been doing. It's going to be quite a night, and of course, uh, Global News will be there. Global TV, of course, with you and, and so many others down there. And I on Global Radio as well will be covering, carrying the programs uh, through the course of the evening and into the early morning hours, I'm sure. Mike, thanks so much. Have a great time today. Stay well. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Take care. Mike Armstrong, of course, Global News down in Philadelphia, where the epicenter, Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, seemingly uh, where the election will be won or lost, or so the experts tell us anyway. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Election day, the polls are open down in the states right now, and of course our uh, coverage, Global News coverage, uh, will continue uh, through the evening and into the early morning hours uh, with an awful lot of subtext, as we were just talking uh, with uh, Mike Armstrong from Global News about. He's down in in, uh, Pennsylvania, of course, uh, which is supposed to be the epicenter, I guess, of what might be happening tonight. Uh, But one of the other stories that uh, is worthy of of note here are the number of people that have used advanced polls. Global News' Reggie Cicchini down in Washington has the latest report. Known as the first in the nation vote, the small center of Dixville Notch, New Hampshire, cast its five ballots in the minutes after midnight. Five votes for Joe Biden. It's been a tradition since 1960. In 2008, then-Senator Barack Obama became the first Democrat to win the village's vote in a presidential election campaign. Meanwhile... I believe the message is going to be loud and clear. Get your family, get your neighbors, get your co-workers. The presidential candidates wrapped up their campaigns on Monday night. 70% of all of 2016's vote turned out in early voting. 160 million are expected to cast a ballot in general, nearly 70% of all eligible voters. The president is expected to stay inside the White House on Tuesday night to watch results, with reports suggesting 400 people could be invited inside. Joe Biden will be in his home state of Delaware. Reggie Cicchini, Global News, Washington. Joining us to talk about this is Eric Schnur. Mr. Schnur, of course, is an adjunct professor and lecturer at the School of Communication at American University, a former speechwriter for uh, Vice President Al Gore. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for the time. Uh, Glad you could hop on with us today. Thanks for having me. Good to speak with you, Bill. You've been involved in elections for a long, long time. Uh, Have you ever seen anything as surreal as what we've experienced over the last few months here? I don't know uh, if I've ever seen anything as surreal as the last four years, Um, (laughs) and certainly the the four months is is part of that. Um, I think the combination of, you know, the cult of personality that is Donald Trump added to the change in campaigning due to the pandemic, uh, it's certainly been a a time that uh, people might want to forget, but they're going to have a very difficult time doing that. You know, as somebody who's been involved in campaigns, uh, there's the, there's a, a beginning, there's a middle, and then you've got to close. It's like anything, like a sale, I guess for some people might relate to that. Uh, and then the last couple of days, you've got to close. You've got to be on message. You've got to leave the voters with this message. Here's what I want you to remember when you go to vote. Uh, I think Joe Biden has done a pretty good job of that with the help of uh, his former boss, of course, Barack Obama. Uh, Trump, there, there's no message there. It's a head-scratcher, really, Eric, to listen to him. I mean, he spent last night, instead of delivering his message, and knocking John Bon Jovi, knocking Lady Gaga, knock, I mean, all of the people that that are supporting John Legend, I guess, is on that list, too. It's 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 not the way we're used to seeing political campaigns run. No, it, it's certainly not. And, you know, I, I think 
you've picked on picked up on something that's true and a little change in tone even for uh even for president trump who who can be so divisive uh it's certainly kind of you know he's turned it up a notch over these last few days and my guess on why that's the case is that they know they're not going to or they believe they're not going to get good news tonight uh and and in in the days following uh so it's kind of um you know it's not pulling the goalie when you're one goal down with 30 seconds left it's pulling the goalie when you're 10 points down with one second left and the only thing left on the ice is a crazy right winger let's talk a little bit about the down ballot effect that this is going to have tonight and and the speculation that from especially from democrats i saw david pluff on tv the other day talking about this is that the, the as we were just talking about this could be the trifecta they could win the presidency they could win the senate and maintain if not increase their their uh, their margin in in congress at the same time uh, that's uh, that's pretty heady stuff that hasn't happened for a while no it hasn't and i think the senate is the real thing uh, to focus on there uh you know, I think they will pick up some seats in the House, you know, how many, um, maybe five, between five and ten, but that'll pad uh, the advantage Democrats have in the House. Uh, the Senate is going to be the must-watch TV as the, um, you know, as, as, as the returns come in. You know, the Democrats are going to most likely lose Alabama, um, you know, a seat which we were, you know, Democrats were surprised to win uh, uh, a few years ago. But I think Maine, North Carolina, Arizona, Colorado, those could all flip to the Democratic side. Uh, Georgia and South Carolina are really close, uh, as is Iowa. And, you know, if there is a wave of support for Joe Biden, do some of those races that even, to your point, a few months ago seemed out of reach, uh, you know, that could be a real sea change. If uh, the Republicans do their post-mortem on this after the, whether he wins or loses tonight, uh, one of the stories, I guess, is going to be uh, the fact that the stuff that they usually use, in other words, the typical Donald Trump tactics of trying to lambaste and try to ridicule and try to demean your opponent, uh, they haven't really stuck. I mean, the Hunter Biden stuff that he and really Giuliani tried to, to get the uh, you know, out there, uh, and Bill Barr, I guess, to his, to his efforts as well, uh, but it just didn't resonate with voters, did it? It didn't, um, you know, and I think, you know, part people are exhausted and they feel they've heard it before, uh, in part because, you know, some real news outlets looked at this and decided there was nothing there. And I think, you know, I think there's a little fool me once going on with the American people on that kind of, uh, on that kind of campaigning and that kind of material, uh, you know, but it is interesting, you know, the demographics have been changing for some time. And the response has not been, how do we get more of those people to vote for us? It's how do we get to, how do we stop those people from voting? And I, the, you know, if the results go as, you know, they look like they may this evening uh, and in the days to follow, I think there will be a reckoning. You know, what that reckoning leads to, well, that's a different question. I mean, the Republicans did this a few years ago where they had a postmortem and said that they were going to, you know, make the tent bigger. Um, it just hasn't happened. Well, that's one of the interesting stories here as well. There's been a lot of legal action and threatened legal action as well about what they're going to do about voter suppression. And I mean, it started with the Postmaster General, of course, to joy tearing up mailboxes so people couldn't vote. And then there was Trump and Barr trying to discredit the idea of mail-in balloting, and that was there. But even in the last week or 10 days or so, they've lost a lot of those court battles. Is that a precursor of what may be happening later on tonight? Uh, you know, I, to some to some extent, I, be, I, I think it is. 
uh, to some extent, I think it is. You know, the, but I also think that the decisions that uh, the court has said in places like Pennsylvania and North Carolina that they should, and Texas, that they should count these votes and they should spend some time counting these votes, those are going to be different battles than when people start questioning independent ballots and whether they are legitimate. That's like a whole different ballgame of, of legal disputes, and I expect some of those. Uh, but at, at the same time, if, if the polls are accurate um, and they've been very stable, that's one of the things that makes this race a little different than previous races is the stability and how little it's changed over the past few months. Uh, and add to that that in the previous cycle, the midterm and the off terms, the, the polls uh, showed an undercount of Democrats, um, so, you know, if those polls are accurate and there's a big win for, for Joe Biden, um, you know, the patience for those kinds of cases will diminish and diminish really quickly. Yet uh, Trump has threatened you. I'm sure you heard a speech on Sunday evening simply saying the day after the election, we're moving in there with our lawyers. I guess meaning they are meaning Pennsylvania. Uh, is, is that just hot air or do you really think that's going to happen? Uh, I think, you know, what will Donald Trump do is the both the hardest and the easiest question to answer in the world. Uh, it's the hardest question to answer because how do you predict chaos? Uh, and that is what he has cultivated for four years. But it's the easiest question to answer in that Donald Trump's going to do what he thinks is best for Donald Trump and what he thinks is best for the Donald Trump brand. So is that hot air? Uh, I wouldn't count on it because I think as long as he keeps this story going and as long as he continues to question legitimacy and that he and his supporters have somehow been uh, robbed of something, that obviously supports the personality uh, and, and feeds the ego, if you will, and keeps him relevant. So I don't think it's all hot air. I do think we will see some of that, but I don't think it's really... Um, connected to whether they think they actually won. It's not connected to whether they actually think there's fraud. It's really connected to Donald Trump and his desire to remain relevant. Uh, mind you, he's, uh, you've seen this, the reporting on Axios, uh, Jonathan Swan reported uh, on the weekend, uh, that Trump insiders are suggesting that he is going to declare victory tonight. If he's ahead in, in some of the states you just mentioned, Florida, uh, the Carolinas, etc., that he's going to say, that's it, you know, I, I'm the winner. Uh, I know Keith Oberman went on Twitter last night and simply said, don't carry it, networks. Don't do that. You're, you're just emboldening him. Uh, are we going to have a showdown like that? We might. And, and, and hopefully uh, Democrats have learned the, the lesson that we learned very much in the hard way when I worked with Al Gore in 2000. The message of the Republicans that night was, we won. The message of the Democrats was, we don't think we lost yet. It's really easy to decide, uh, to determine which of those messages are going to it's going to resonate more and carry the day. Uh, so you know, I, I think there might be a little showdown on that, but I think people are prepared for it, and I certainly think the the news outlets are prepared for that, um, just based on on the coverage uh, to date of what's going on with early voting, what's going on with the the cases you mentioned on on voter suppression uh, and vote counting. Well, it's, uh, it's going to be a inter very interesting evening, and I, I think a long evening, too, notwithstanding that, because everyone has told us that, uh, uh, notwithstanding what the, the president has suggested, uh, a winner is never declared on election night. You know that, of course, from 2000. Uh, but uh, it, they have actually, until the first week of December, I think, don't they, Eric, to actually, uh, the states, that is, to actually say, here's our final tally? 
They do, and each state also has its own uh, mechanisms for how long a count should take. Uh, but they do have some time, um, and, and and you're right on on de- declaring victory. But also, uh, it, it would not sur- surprise me. Um, uh, it, it would not surprise me if there are networks who who declare Biden the winner. Um, and the, the reason I say that. Uh, if you, if you look at the polls, not just uh, isolated, but comparatively to what was going on four years ago, um, if you look at the stability of the race, as I mentioned earlier, if you look at enthusiasm, uh, you know, part of if you look at what happened to Hillary Clinton in states like Michigan and Wisconsin, uh, it was the lack of Democratic enthusiasm that probably made that difference. There is enthusiasm this year, whether it's anti-Trump or pro-Biden, it's enthusiasm, and it manifests itself in historic early vote, as uh, your report right before I came on mentioned. Uh, you know, I think all of those things lead to what might surprise people. Maybe we actually do know tonight. Uh, we'll find out in just a few hours. Eric, always a pleasure to get your perspective on this. Thanks so much for the time today. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Take care. Eric Schnur, of course, adjunct professor at American University, a former speechwriter for uh, Vice President Al Gore. And he, as he just referenced, was uh, heavily involved in that 2000 campaign with the hanging chads, etc., down in Florida. Uh, Want to continue our coverage of the Bill Kelly Show, 900 CHML to 980 CFPL. Uh, Lawrence Martin joins us. Lawrence, of course, is the uh, Globe and Mail correspondent uh, down in Washington, D.C. for the last little while. Uh, Lawrence, it's been a while. Good to have you back on the program today. Hi, Bill. How are you? Good. You've been writing extensively about this election, obviously, over the last couple of months. And uh, you were one of the ones that was, you know, warning us that, look, at, you know, nobody thought this guy was going to win four years ago. And you talked about the path to victory. Has the, is that path closed off yet or is it still there? Oh, I think it's about 90 percent closed off for Trump. Uh, he would have to stage a, uh, a bigger miracle than last time to win uh, to win this time. If you look at... Uh, you look at the polls, I mean, Biden's got a bigger lead in the polls than Hillary had. Biden is more popular than Hillary was. Uh, Biden is getting a huge Democratic vote turnout compared to uh, Hillary. And, uh, you know, Trump would have to win uh, all these states that he's significantly behind in the polls tonight, like uh, like uh, Pennsylvania, you know, like uh, Michigan, like uh, Wisconsin, um, North Carolina. Arizona, Florida, Georgia. I mean, uh, you'd have to win uh, almost all of those, and uh, uh, I just can't see it happening. No. One of the other stories, as much as we're worried and concerned about what's going to happen at the polls and, of course, the, vote, the tally tonight, uh, is is the election hangover the day after? I mean, anybody who's watched the, the national news over the last, or especially yesterday, Lawrence, uh, you see people boarding up windows, uh, you know, with, with pl- all sorts of you know protective coverings. They're putting uh, shields across the, the storefronts, etc. And we're not, you know, we're, we're used to seeing that usually for people that are preparing for an oncoming hurricane. Uh, this is this is Washington. This is Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, where they're doing this right now because they're afraid of the way people are going to respond to this. So, what are you hearing down there? Well, I mean, the, the problem is that, uh, that Trump has basically been encouraging uh, his followers to uh, uh, take to the streets in some of his some of his tweets. Right? I mean, it's like uh, he's come out and he said he might not accept the verdict. He kind of he's come out and said, uh, you know, just trash the whole mail-in process. Uh, you know, saying uh, mail-in voting is uh, is uh, ridden with fraud. Although there's absolutely no basis in fact. Uh, for saying that he's um, just riling up his base to get all you know to get all angry to get out on the streets 
it's like um uh, you, you know this it's, it's like he's on with his campaign against mail-in voting it's like he's trying to disenfranchise uh, the people of the united states it's absolutely uh extraordinary and uh you know it's just uh the man's uh the man's mouth has cost him this election. I mean, if you look at Trump's policies, they don't bother American conservatives that much. Uh, they might have some of them would, would appeal to middle of the road Americans. It's just the fact that uh, he has buried himself with his uh, daily barrage of uh, flim flam and insults and uh, and, and just uh, downgrading of the office of the presidency and insulting every portion of the American public from time to time. His mouth has lost him the election. I think he would have won had he just, you know, stayed quiet and behaved like a normal president behaves. Which is not in his DNA. Uh, But then there's the COVID factor. I mean, that seemed to be the message that uh, the Democrats kept wanting to to latch onto and drive into. Is is that resonating with voters, Lawrence? Well, to a certain degree. I mean, it's it's really interesting here. And again, where, you know, he's he's done a bad job on COVID, but he's done worse with what he's kept saying and contradicting himself and saying entirely, uh, entirely stupid things. It's resonating to a degree, Bill, but uh, we have to bear in mind the... uh, uh, the, the, the the strength this guy still maintains. I mean, he's still uh, over 40 percent in the polls. He's still within striking range of Biden. And this is in a year in which, you know, it started off with him getting impeached. And then uh, came the, uh, the the pandemic and then an economic collapse. <laughs> I mean, how could things more possibly go wrong for a president in uh, in, in a year than this? all those devastating books from insiders in the White House about him uh, and from his uh, family members. Um, you know, he said you'd think he'd be down to 20%, but, but the, guy's, uh, the guy has uh, held his support. I mean, if you look at his support numbers in uh, at the end of January when COVID came on, and you look at them now, they basically haven't changed. So, uh, you know, it, it hasn't hurt him uh, to, to a huge degree, but he, he needed help because he's always been in the low 40s in the polls and uh, and uh, he's not been able to uh, to upscale them at all. In his uh, speech, I think it was in Arizona on Sunday night, there was a, a moment there that I thought was very telling. He just kind of exasperated, looked out in the crowd. He says, I can't believe this is happening to me. I, I can't believe this guy is so close to me. Obviously, he was taking a shot at Biden, but I'm wondering if that was a, a glimpse into his true emotions. This is a guy who always thinks he's right, has never com- you know, com- mentioned anything. He's never done anything wrong. And here he is. Uh, he can read the tea leaves. I'm, I'm sure he's hoping for the best tonight, but there just seemed to be a sense of exasperation there. Yeah, yeah, but you know, bear in mind, uh, even if he even if uh, he loses tonight, which is likely, uh, if his showing is uh, strong enough, if it isn't a blowout, I mean, I think there's a very good chance of a Democratic landslide. But if it isn't a blowout, I think that Trump will still maintain control of the party. I think you see, you might see Trump even run again four years from now. It's it's uh, quite possible for a president to run twice, like Grover Cleveland did it the end of the 19th century he uh, he won and then he lost the next election and then he came back four years later and won so uh, i don't think trump uh, i don't think trump's going to go away i don't think his family is going to go away i think his son uh, don jr might 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 run the next time if trump himself does not well we'll just uh, finish this with the sage advice from yogi berra it ain't over till it's over and we'll have to see tonight lawrence uh, always a pleasure having you on the program thanks so much we'll uh, watch for your uh, pros on this over the next couple of days in the globe and mail thanks again take care my pleasure bill thank you
Take care. Lawrence Martin, of course, uh, down in Washington, uh, writing for the Globe and Mail. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.